Welcome to the SWP, reveling in daily tales of sports and whatever. Today, Jimmy is away, not sure what he's up to, so we present a promotional episode of the Sens Nation podcast. Man, the Sens are rolling of late. Another nice win on Monday evening, a 2-1 victory over the Canucks. And all the right guys were playing well. Thomas Shabbat was jumping. Batherson and Norris, a couple of guys they're going to really rely on in the future for big offense. They had the goals in the game. Brady Kachuk, same deal. He assisted on both goals. And uh, Marcus Hogberg was good between the pipes as well. So it's all coming up roses right now lately for the Ottawa Senators. And the future certainly looks bright. Anyway, we hope you enjoy here on the SWP a little sense talk. All right, welcome to another episode of the Sens Nation podcast. And what a week it's been since we last convened. The Sens go 3-1 and one here in the past week. A couple of shutouts in there as well. Like, think about that for a second. Like, they hadn't had a single shutout in over two years. And somehow in the last week here, they get not one, but two. Matt Murray suddenly looks like the Matt Murray of old. Uh, we'll get into that and a whole lot more coming up today here on the Sens Nation podcast. It's Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Things are good, Stephen. It's a lovely Sunday afternoon here in downtown Slave Lake. Nice. Uh, is it warm? Is it sunny? Or are you being uh, sarcastic? <laughs> I think it got up to eight today. Okay. That's not yeah, too bad. It, it's windy, though. It always seems to be windy here. Yeah, I moved my daughter. She uh, just gra- Well, she's in the process of graduating from... Uh, Trent University. So I, I literally drove down to Peterborough today and uh, gathered up all her stuff in a Home Depot truck and brought it all back and unloaded it all in the garage. And basically, that's been my day until this very moment. So I'm up late last night as we record this, watching a West Coast game where I was kind of nodding off at the end. Got <laughs> up early this morning and that was my day. So if I'm a little off today, that may be why, because it was a busy day. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a that's a that's a better reason than for being a little off than you had for last week's. What was it? I don't remember. Little CC and Coke, I think, was last week's excuse. <laughs> it was a little CC. You're right. Yeah, I, I think that's a damn good excuse. I think most most of the good listeners can appreciate that excuse. In fact, there you are. Fair enough. Uh, then uh, we better get our Slave Lake Ice Dogs update, and it's not a very good one, is it? Yeah, we're um we're in the middle of a bit of a. A bit of a downturn here in Slave Lake. The roster freeze came on March the 15th. Uh, since March the 15th, I've lost 12 players through injury, through uh, uh, my schooling's not uh, doing well enough, to I've got a summer job that I've got to get to. So <laughs> I played the played the weekend with basically eight forwards and, and 5D. So we've we got enough. work cut out for us. We gotta, yeah, yeah, it's not quite enough. we got to work cut out for us. <laughs> Well, good luck with all that. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that it's taken sort of a sideways turn, but uh, hopefully you can uh, uh, somehow uh, make something of that. Uh, the Sens made something out of their week. Like I said off the top, they go 3-1 and one with a couple of shutouts. And uh, the good and bad news, the good is that Matt Murray seemed to have, seems to have re- rediscovered his game. The bad news, he ended up uh, getting hurt in a game he actually wasn't supposed to start in. So in the Saturday night game in Vancouver, Anton Forsberg was supposed to get the start, and he got hurt in warm-up. Then Matt Murray gets hurt in the game. I don't, I don't still don't even understand how he got hurt. It looked like he was trying to tackle Jake Vertanen, and uh, somehow, some way, he got maybe he got his – you never know with goalies. Uh, groin, knee, could be anything like that, but uh, he's out. 
and Marcus Hogberg, who began the night, um, basically planning to eat popcorn. He wasn't even dressed while well, he had to come in and uh, ended up playing pretty well overall. So uh, kind of weird circumstances, but uh, let's begin with the good. What have you thought of Matt Murray's play the last week? Wow, he looks good, huh? Like like have we talked about all year, uh, being small in his net and and um, and bad uh, glove hand and being deep in his net. Uh, I, I thought he looked real good all week. He looks like he's found himself and he's back into a groove. And then this happens to him. Yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. And I think part of it, and we we touched on it a little on our last episode. I think part of it is the fact that you know just generally the team is playing better in in front of the guy. And when you think about all the changes, right? He's a new dad. He's in a new market trying to impress new teammates. And he gets off to a sketchy start. He actually had a great opening night, uh, a nice victory on opening night. But, you know, we knew the team was going to be in in, in a tough way in terms of D-zone coverage. And uh, that's going to affect you, I think. And uh, I think it's, it's a little of everything. New goalie coach, some time away, not just to get right when he got hurt, to do the rehab and, and get right, but also to get his head screwed on right again. I think all of that plays in. It's, uh, you know, before it was death by a thousand cuts, and uh, now everything seems to be going Matt Murray's way. And and like you said, it's unfortunate that he ends up getting hurt there. But at least we, you know, moving forward, we say, okay, well, now now you think, uh, you know, if he can play like he has in the last week, then the money will be more than worth it. Yeah, and and it, it it answers a question that we've sort of had all year long. Um, it, it was the goaltending bad because of the team in front of them, or was the team in front of them losing as badly as they were because of poor goaltending? And and we kind of saw it with Decord and Gustafson when they were getting their chances, and and when Forsberg first came in, that hey, you know, these guys are real good in net, and we were wondering, okay, what's it going to be like when Matt Murray gets back? What's it going to be like when Marcus Hogberg gets back and they get to play behind this team? And we've seen now that, uh, that yeah, the team in front of them is making a huge difference, and that's uh, a large reason why the goaltending has been much, much, much improved lately. Yeah, and it's not just that I'm encouraged about Matt Murray. I'm encouraged by the whole, you know, goaltending depth chart. It seems like, uh, you know, even if the team is playing well in front of a goalie, um, you know, you still, these guys still look good back there. And, uh, you know, I think they're in really good shape as far as goaltending depth, you know, moving forward to next season. Uh, there's still that, there's still that issue when you think about goaltending about, you know, do you protect Matt Murray from Seattle in the expansion draft or do you dangle him out there given that he's had mostly a tough year? His stats probably won't look that good to Seattle when they glance at it, nor will his contract. Um, have you had a change of heart over the last 10 days? No, I, I think it's a given that he will be exposed. There's just there's no question about it. You've got you've got guys you need to. Well, but then again, now having said that, see, <laughs> there's, there's there's so many of them that you can only lose one. So if you choose to protect Matt Murray out of all of the slew of the rest of them, you're only going to lose one. So I guess it depends on how close. Uh, all the rest of them are rated by the team. Like if one of them is is head and shoulders above the rest in an internal evaluation, then I would say yes, you protect that one. That, that being like between a Decord and a Gustafson and and a Forsberg and a Hogberg and yada yada on and on. Um, otherwise, there's there's no big deal in in ex- leaving Matt Murray exposed. I can't see Seattle taking him, as you just said. That the contract is enough of a reason. The the steady decline over the last few years. Is, a, is another reason not to take him. Yeah, but 
having said that, and I agree with everything you just said, I will yell into the microphone the week after the Seattle expansion draft. I will yell, I am a moron, really, really loudly, if Matt Murray is, in fact, not protected. Uh, I, I really believe that Pierre Dorian was probably a bee's nest of thoughts on this thing, right? The optics of putting his crown jewel, as far as free agency goes, the optics of putting him out there and uh, and exposing him, I think he was sort of back and forth on it when he was you know, going sideways at the start of the year. But now that he's had a good little run here and now he's injured, uh, we might not see the might not see him play again this year. So that might be it for Matt Murray. And I think everybody's feeling good about him right now. I feel like that will be, you know, the cherry on top for Pierre Dorian going, okay, thank goodness. He's playing well. <laughs> Everybody will get why I'm gonna protect this guy because the optics of not protecting him aren't particularly good. So I am guaranteeing to you, coach. Yeah, that Matt Murray will be the guy that the Ottawa Senators protect in the Seattle expansion draft. Wow, I'm 75. percent He won't be, there but we'll go. see. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's strategy and and what's right versus you know the optics of things. Um, the funny part of the whole goaltending mess, which was a mess with uh, you know going down to Hogberg, who was in street clothes at the beginning of the evening. So too was Artem Anisimov, who was a healthy scratch on the night, but. Uh, he almost played like he almost had to, <laughs> he didn't go out on the bench or anything with the gear on, but he was back in the dressing room with the gear on. And there's actually actually a video on the Senator's Twitter account. Wouldn't that have been somewhat hilarious? David Ayers, that was, uh, that was sketchy, but Artem Anisimov almost playing goal in the NHL, one injury away and Hogberg almost got run over by his own guy. So it was very close to happening when Zaitsev fell on top of him shortly after he got into the game. Wouldn't that have been hilarious if Anisimov got in there? Yeah, that that video, that, that footage is funny. Watch, he goes down on one knee, then he goes down the other knee, then he goes down, drops down in his butterfly. <laughs> but it, it brings up the same point. We talked about this last year with the whole David Ayers thing. Uh, why doesn't the NHL have, like, the, the home team supplies one, or, or the NHL supplies one real live professional goaltender in every rink for every game. Like, would it really be that big a deal? It's just, it's it's crazy. We were, we literally were one injury away from watching a forward play goal in an NHL game. All right, let's take our first time out of the program. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Shane Pinto. That guy's a stud. He's going to be great on into the future. Alex Formanton, these two guys are killing penalties as rookies. It's great. We'll talk about that and more after these words. It is the Spring Into Win giveaway right now at Popeye Supplements. They get so many great prizes, like a $1,000 shopping spree at Sale Outdoor Superstore or the grand prize, your choice of a new Peloton Bike Works or a Nordic Track Vault. Both come with one-year memberships. To enter, buy one of the awesome Popeye's products from Progressive, Iron Vegan, Smart Solutions, or Precision. And each time you do that... You get another ballot in the draw. No purchase necessary. See website for details. It's the Spring Into Win giveaway at PopeyesOnlineOrders.com. Trucks and minivans cost less to insure than small cars. You get a better deal on home insurance if you have good credit. The biggest insurance brokers are owned by insurance companies. I'm Josh. Make sure you choose a broker who has your best interest in mind. All Insurance Ontario is independent, family-owned, and has your back. Text me at 613-860-6008 to get on our team. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. Jim K. Ford is a full-service commercial and fleet dealership. 
They supply companies in the Ottawa area with work trucks of all shapes, sizes, and functionalities, from the small delivery vans right up to the big F-750s. So whether you're in towing, landscaping, or deliveries, or really any job where you need a big truck, Jim K. Ford will help you with the right truck and body for your needs. JimKFord.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Uh, let's change gears here and talk a little bit about the future. And obviously Shane Pinto is a guy they're already leaning on very heavily. I'm thinking about the North Dakota duo, Jacob Bernard Docker being the other one. Shane Pinto is just being, I mean, it's a love affair already. And check his minutes uh, last night, but the game before, Shane Pinto was out there for almost 15 minutes of ice, which is more than um, more than Chris Tierney. And exactly the amount, I think, give or take a few seconds of Colin White. So he may have already blown past those two guys on the center ice depth chart. And boy, the trust factor that DJ Smith has for his two rookies and Alex Formanson and Shane Pinto, like they went, they were out there for like penalty kill after penalty kill. And uh, not to mention, you know, empty nets when they're protecting a lead at the end. I'm not sure I've seen a coach with more trust for rookies than DJ Smith has for those two guys. Yeah. And so early too, like in, in a career uh, to see it is uh, like, it's not like you were in a training camp and you, you went through everything in, in August and early September, you know, and you start in October and, and the guys earned his place and all that sort of stuff. No, this guy just arrived like, like literally two weeks ago. So it's, uh, it's, it's like, Hey, good for the kid. He's shown that he can play. And, uh, uh, good on him that that he can play both ends of the ice. I think again he's a he's a walking billboard for any young hockey player who aspires to be somewhere uh, to to show you how important it is to learn to play both ends of the ice. He's not in the lineup because he's going to score for them. He's in the lineup because he's trustworthy. He can play both ends of the ice. He kills penalties. He takes faceoffs. He's a well-rounded, full quote unquote two hundred foot player, and that's how he's getting in the lineup. The Sens penalty kill was 15 for 16 on the four-game road trip. That is pretty impressive. That's a good sign. Uh, But more on Pinto in just a moment. Uh, And by the way, just as an aside, you may hear some uh, very loud cat noises in the background. My (laughs) my daughter's cat is visiting uh, before she uh, moves to her new place next week. So um, the cat's a bit of a big mouth. So you might hear a bit of meowing in the background just as an FYI. Well, I just had a pizza delivery and I paid for it while talking to you. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, you're a savvy veteran. That I didn't I didn't hear anything. That's great. You didn't know anything, did you? Huh? <laughs> now it's sitting upstairs in the kitchen getting cold, but that's okay. Oh, I apologize we'll get for to that. It. We'll get we'll, to we'll it. keep this quick. Um, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> so the other uh, North Dakota factor is Jacob Bernard Docker. And there's some fans who are starting to you know, raise an eyebrow. Uh, he gets called, well, not called up, but uh, he leaves school comes to the Senators and uh, gets in a game. And really, mo- for the most part of the last few games, it's been Josh Brown starting ahead of him. And DJ Smith has basically said he doesn't want all the fighting or toughness onus to be on Brady Kachuk, which is a fair statement. And Josh Brown can provide that level of element. But uh, what do you think of Josh Brown starting ahead of Jacob Bernard Docker in that uh, in that sort of bottom pairing right D? Yeah, it, obviously, you know, it, it, you can look at it two ways. One is, I mean, good for Josh Brown. 
He's a guy who's who's uh, earned the trust of his coach, uh, earned the respect of his teammates, and and uh, and does a job for this team. Doesn't play a huge chunk of ice time, but but does a job for them. So good on him. Although having said that, Jacob Bernard Docker is here. You're burning off uh, one year of his contract by having him here. Uh, the games don't necessarily mean anything. I would like to see him in the lineup. Like, let's let's get him in there. We, we don't seem to have a problem playing Pinto. Then let's play Bernard Docker too. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I think it was the first Vancouver game. Josh Brown took a a really dumb cross checking penalty oh, well yeah. after the whistle had gone. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah. I think that maybe because because I haven't seen him do anything like that all year. And, and he you know he got in kind of the bear hug after that. And I wonder if. DJ Smith going public with the reason why he's starting over Jacob Bernard Docker. If that maybe gets between Josh Brown's ears a little, it's like, oh, that's why I'm in the lineup. I better do that. If that's what coach wants, I better do that. And, you know, maybe sometimes you try and force things. You see scores, you know, offensively, they're trying to force things a little bit. And maybe that's true of the toughness angle as well. That was not a very good penalty to take, but I got thinking afterward that maybe that was part of it. It's like, okay, here's an opportunity for me to be tough and stay in the lineup. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that, you're probably right, um, but it's it's dumb. A, a, a dumb penalty is a dumb penalty, no matter what your motivation is. Um, there are many ways to to show that you are tough and you are physical. There are many ways to show that you can be counted on to step up for your teammates, and very few of those ways involve whacking somebody after a whistle or taking a dumb penalty. You know, big picture, I don't mind Josh Brown. I've never yeah. of the new guys that kind of came into the mix. Like I, I always found, you know, he he made a, he made a really good play in the Saturday game, like real poise, like to the point where he's he's basically down to the right of the Sens goal in the corner with the puck, kind of coming out with it. He's got a Canuck player right on him, and he showed a really neat bit of patience to kind of delay and then makes a nice pass up the middle. Like the the Canuck player was just assuming, oh, this is Josh Brown. He's just gonna. Be a glass and out guy, but he made a really nice play. And you know, he's he has his moments for sure. Um, I'm never gonna suggest that he's a Norris trophy candidate, but I like him in a five six role, to be honest. And uh, we're just getting to a stage now where it's uh, it's going to be really difficult to keep everybody you like on this team. There's just one prospect after another is rolling into this team, right. Yeah, true. And it it's the same sort of problem up front that we talked about all year long, you know, where are these guys all going to fit when the time comes. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be a busy summer yet again for Pierre Dorian probably and in, in who to sign and re-sign and who to take, who to keep and who to trade away and it's uh it, like it, it's just it's fun. It's fun again to watch senator games. It's fun again to be a fan of this team. It's it's not so crazy to catch yourself thinking about what the future is going to be for this team. Things are looking good. Things are looking up here and uh, it, it'll, it'll, it's only going to get better folks. You want to keep watching this team play. Yeah. And you think about the shuffling that occurs now. Um, you think of not just uh, the guys that are on the roster, but who plays where. And I think we all thought at the start of the year, that Tim Stutzler was on the wing on a temporary measure. And now you think, Okay, so Pinto's here looking good. You've already got Josh Norris as your, I guess, de facto number one for now. We'll see. You've got uh, Colin White. You've got Chris Tierney, Ridley Gregg. The way he's scoring in the Western Hockey League, who knows? He could be here but sooner rather than later. So there's lots of center ice depth. And now you say to yourself, 
as DJ Smith announced in uh, one of the Zoom calls over the weekend, he said, yeah, we're going to keep Stutzla on the wing for the rest of the year. Do you think that uh, that is now his permanent home on this team on the wing? Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. I'll say that much. Like, could you not see him as a second line left winger with a with a, with a Shane Pinto? Uh, you know, maybe move Foreman into the right. Um, I I don't have a problem with it if he stays on the left side. He needs to get more comfortable. He probably needs to get stronger, uh, particularly upper body strength to play the game down low and in the corners and things. Mm-hmm. But uh, long term, where's your depth on the left side? You know, it, it's it's Kachuk, Stutzler, Formanton, Paul right now. Within the system, uh, Abramov's a left winger. Is he is he ever going to be here? I don't know. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ridley Gregg is officially a left winger, I think. So he's a long-term left winger. Igor Sokolov is a left winger, I think. So you've got a little bit of depth over there. But if he establishes himself in a full season here this year and comes back next year and he's your second-line left winger, that's not a bad situation. And just for positional clarity, um, it looks uh, we looked it up. Uh, we took we stopped down because we are at odds as to what what uh, position Ridley Gregg actually plays, and uh, he is kind of a hybrid guy. Um, Pierre Dorian references him as a center in the press release the day that Gregg was signed, but he's also played uh, quite a bit of wing this season for Brandon. So uh, yeah, he's kind of a hybrid guy like Tim Stutzla is. I think he's probably a, an NHL left winger. How's that? Right. So you you, you look at the left wing. If you move him to the left side, count him as a left winger. There's not a lot there, you know, beyond possibly him um, and uh, Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzler, like like long term left wingers. Formanton to me it should be a right winger, not a left winger, or can even play center. So I don't know if Abramov Abramov is going to make it someday at left wing. If Sokolov's going to make it someday at left wing, there's there's not a lot over there. So it wouldn't kill them to leave Tierney, to leave uh, Stutzla right. there. The other thing about Stutzla, of course, is he did not play center last season uh, in Germany. He did not even play center at the World Junior Championship this year. So, uh, like, when's the last time he did play center, <laughs> you know? In any event, it's uh, it's certainly to the point about the center ice position. Um, it, it's difficult to see where Tim Stutzla is going to fit because already – from a defensive presence standpoint, which obviously is a lot of the battle in having, uh, you know, to be strong at center ice, I feel like Norris and for sure Pinto, like Pinto is going to be, you know, I'm 100% sure that he's going to be really good defensively from that perspective. But is he going to be J.G. Pajo or is he going to be like a superstar in the game? Will he have the offensive presence to go with it? Anyway, either way, I like both of those guys already considerably better than I do Tim Stutzla from a, a defensive awareness standpoint. I think Stutzla is going to be the most offensively dynamic, but like you've talked about a, a lot in D zone, the center's got to be responsible. And uh, I think Stutzla is considerably behind those other two guys. I would agree completely. You might even say that when it comes to defensive awareness down low, that White's ahead of him. At, at this point in their careers. Um, and you've still got Tierney around. And as we just said, um, for uh, Formanton is, can play center. Nick Paul is a centerman. 
Derek Stepan is still around people. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you want to do with him? Right. He could play center here. So I just, I, I, there's no rush to move Stutzel to center. How about that? Let, maybe we just leave it at that. There's yeah. no rush to get him over there. I'm fine with leaving him on the wing for the rest of this season. Right. And hey, I mean, Brady Kachuk takes a lot of draws in there as well. I'm, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if you, uh, you know, mucked around with that. He's, boy, he wins some big draws, I got to say. Um, and uh, even Batherson, uh, I mean, he's never come close to playing center ice in the NHL. And yet, even on last night's game sheet for the Saturday-Vancouver game, which the Sens dropped 4-2, to two, uh, Batherson still listed on that game sheet as a centerman. So <laughs> it's all very loose. So if people muck up whether someone's a center or a winger, well, that's not a big surprise. Also on the special teams front, as we were talking about penalty killing a moment ago, uh, the power play was on a really good roll. Now, the club had won three in a row, and they had gone on a stretch where they had scored at least one power play goal in six straight games. They did not. They would 0 for 6 on Saturday. And DJ Smith said the power play was too fancy. And I was, like, kind of scratching my head at that. Like, to me, it was more a case of very, like, boring. Like, the power play setup was unimaginative. It didn't seem like they were doing much except slowly passing the puck around. And I don't know, I found it odd to hear him describe it as too fancy. What did you think? Well, last night I I thought the key to me was that they got a power play late, um, you know, after they'd worked so hard, kill a five on three, then they tie it up on a bit of a softy from Dadunov. Then they give one up a minute and a half later. But even after that, the last five minutes, they did have a power play and could not enter the zone. And to your fancy comment, they weren't doing the slingshot, Steve. Like they were actually dumping it in or making that just a simple little rush up the ice and make one little pass the blue line and get in. And they couldn't get in. They couldn't gain gain an entry. And that was most of their problem for most of the night. Um, so whether that's considered to be being too fancy, I, I to me, the slingshot's too fancy. To me, the extra pass is too fancy. And I didn't see any of that sense of it last night. One of the things I'd like to see is Tim Stutzler get going with what he did for Team Germany. Like I watched all of Team Germany's games, and I certainly saw him in Mannheim, where he would he would basically be so dominant on the power play by you know working that puck down low and then bringing it up high again, either via pass or by skating it right up himself. And uh, he was so effective with that. And I haven't really seen any of that. It's almost like uh, DJ Smith is, you know, he's he's got his game plan in terms of a power play setup. They they don't feel like they've taken advantage of what Stutzler can actually offer fully on the power play. They just seem to stick him out there for, you know, that, that one-timer um, down at the uh, side of the umbrella. Yeah, and, and it's like when they were, when they were doing the slingshot, it seemed to be going back to Dadunov. Wouldn't you rather have preferred to see that go back to Stutzla, get some speed going and some of his finesse through the neutral zone and and making decisions in, in the neutral zone uh, to gain entries? I, I, maybe part of it is, you know, he's just a kid and we don't want to put him in pressure situations or we don't need to rely on him for this when we have other people who can do it. But as his game has grown, as the year has gone on, let's give him more and more responsibility and and I agree with you. Being the being the forward quarterback on the power play wouldn't be a wouldn't be a bad thing right now for this team. I find it interesting as we change gears here that the guy on this team on the blue line 
with the third most ice time was a guy they got off waivers not that long ago. Victor Mete was that guy. He's getting looks on the penalty kill. He's getting looks on the power play. And one of the things I love about him, Greg, is in comparison to Coburn and Goodbranson, is the feet so quick getting from the front of the net to the corner in D-zone coverage, making good passes. Like, that's that guy's played his way into discussion for next year. Not just a guy rescued off the scrap heap, but a guy that could make their top six next year. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, you could see him in a 5-6 role. The only thing working against him is it's a little crowded on the left side, right? But right. he is he's Eric Brandstrom with a little more experience, a little more NHL games played, right? He's he's smallish. He's a puck mover. He's an offensive guy. He's agile, agility, right? Um yeah, sometimes you can watch the game and if you're not paying attention, you, you get the two of them confused as to which one's Mete and which one's Brandstrom back 100%. there. You know, but here's a guy getting a look and they're using him. Uh, they're, they're playing him a, a lot to get a look at him and make a decision because they've got a decision to make on him come this off season when he's a, when he's a free agent. He is a guy that in Montreal played on the right side as well. So he's a guy that uh, is a hybrid that way. So he might force his way into the discussion uh, regardless of uh, you know what side there's an availability on. So a, a really good start for Victor Mete and uh, and a really nice pickup, I got to say, for Sens GM Pierre Dorian. I was sort of shouting about it in the episode right before once I saw, oh, he's, uh, you know, he's got Victor Mete on, on waivers. Um, pretty sure you need to take a look at that guy. And sure enough, uh, they went out and got him. And uh, it's been uh, a, a real uh, pleasant addition and, and a real upgrade, honestly. Uh, I know, and we talked about this in the last episode, there's certainly something to like about the defenseman who can crash and bang and make you know these punishing hits in the corner, make life uncomfortable for the opposing forwards. But if I have to choose between one or the other, you know, the one-dimensional kind of tougher guy that can be physical or the guy who can get to the party on time, even though he's not very physical by way of his skating, uh, I'm going to take that that second guy all day long. Yeah, well, look at it this way. Long term, two years from now, when this team is much more mature yeah, um, and you've got all these kids playing, uh, high-end talent playing, it's probably going to be a puck possession team. It's no longer going to be a dump and jump team. It's no longer going to be a roll four lines, four check hard, cycle game, you know, dirty nose goals. So Victor Mete is the type of player that you want on a puck possession team. So that's something to consider for Pierre Dorian when he's looking at long-term, right? Somewhere in his office, he's got a lineup for next year and the year after and the year after that. So where does he slot somebody in like a Victor Mete if he's going to keep him? He's the kind of player who's going to fit in well on a puck possession team. As the Sens went 3-1 and one this week, I threw it out on social media as they were winning their third game in a row. I was saying, this is great but I'm a bit conflicted because with each passing victory, the Sens potentially damage their draft status. We're back into that discussion again. And uh, right now they're fourth last overall. I'm not suggesting tank, but do you feel any conflict? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Um, Or maybe I am. I don't know what I'm saying, but I mean, to be in, in the situation they are, when you look at the standings right now, as we record this on April 25th, they're fourth last overall, and they're five points out of dead last overall. 
but they're also five points out of being 10th last overall. So there's a big swing that can happen here in these last eight games. There's no question that winning hurts their draft status. Uh, But when I put it out on social media, that kind of conflicted status, man, Sens Nation came pouring in at me with, ah, tank schmank. I'm all about creating a culture of winning now. I'm not worried about tanking anymore. They'll come up with something good. They have the great amateur scouting staff. Let's just win hockey games and put away this lottery thought and this tankathon thing. Uh, where do you stand on that, Greg? I agree with the good listener, with the good uh, tweet replier people. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you, you, things are good. Things are good and looking good, and you've got plenty of prospects. And the difference between a fifth overall pick and a tenth overall pick, if you do it right and you've got a good coach, a good scouting staff, they will get a good player, Steve, in, in the top ten. It's not a strong, strong draft, but they're still going to get a good player who who will be able to be able to compete and play on this team in the future. And they, they're you say they're fifth from last now with ten games to play. Uh, I believe they'll be better than that after these ten games. They certainly won't be worse. You know, they're they're trying to create a. Uh, a team identity and, a, and a, a working class group here, and they're they're playing for themselves. And trust me, the guys in that room don't give a damn about the next draft. Uh, they're they're, they're going to compete hard and try to win hockey games. And and sorry, bud, I think they're going to end up uh, like uh, at least sixth, or if not seventh or eighth, from the bottom. Yeah, it's really crammed. It's really tight right now at the bottom. If you look at the bottom ten, and like I say, Sens are in the creamy middle. Uh, they're fourth last overall five points out of dead last overall and five points out of 10th last overall. So okay, they're, there they're in a situation where, yeah, it could be a massive swing, but uh, it's such a funky year too. The OHL canceled its season. How do you, I mean, if you're a, an amateur scout trying to track all this, you know, the Western hockey league played a little, you know, they're giving us something, a little something, something. Um, Certainly the Quebec League, they, they, they went almost the entire year, so no problem there. But the Ontario Hockey League is obviously this, you know, as good as it gets as far as feeder leagues go to the NHL. And, and if you're a, a scout, Greg, how in the world do you get your head around drafting OHL players? Like you're going to be able to find some diamonds in the rough to the point about where the Sens draft, if it, whether it's dead last overall or first overall or 10th overall you're going to be able to find players that uh, are going to be diamonds in the rough simply because in the Ontario Hockey League, for example, no one has seen these kids since they were 16 years of age and playing against the other team's lesser players. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it puts a lot of uh, pressure on your scouting staff, that's for sure. But you should start writing a book on, um, on any and every player that you see as a scout uh, in the OHL or in any league for that matter. So... They would have something on these guys from last season when they were 17, 16, 17 years old last year. Now that they're 18 years old uh, and you didn't get to see them, you you it's a lot more projection now. And, of course, the other thing that factors into it is what team was that kid on last season? Where did he fit in the depth chart? You're going to have kids who are 18 now who last season played in the top six. Uh, competing against in a draft process, competing against guys who last season played in a bottom six or were healthy scratch because they were on a team with lots of depth. So that's really got to really puts pressure on scouts then as to, oh my God, like who knows what this kid really is. So it, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward just to uh, to seeing what the uh, the eventual draft list looks like and then comparing it to the actual draft. You'll get a real read there on 
individual team scouting staffs and projections when you see how kind of wanky it's all going to be um, when you when you get the actual draft versus the final ranking list. Yeah. So again, the so the OHL regular season and playoffs, none of it happened this year. We didn't have any playoffs last year, and it was so disappointing for Ottawa 67's fans. The 67's were the number one ranked team in the CHL, not just the Ontario Hockey League. They were just stacked. It was almost like you know the lockout for the Expos back in the day. It was kind of if you're a 67's <laughs> fan and an Expo fan, there was probably some parallels there. Like, oh man, what could have been. And, uh, and when you think about those OHL kids, like I say, um, even if you had a book on them, Greg, and even if you have video on them from a year and a half ago, you know, even if they look good for you, chances are the coach, well, whoever the OHL coach was about the kid, he, he, they were probably babying them, right? They probably weren't playing the other team's best players when they're 16 or just turned 17. So yeah, it just, even if you've got a book, it's, it's hard to necessarily trust it because, uh, exactly. Ex- like like Andre Mazaros for the Sens back in the day, that plus minus genius year that he had that was like, led the entire NHL. But he's out there in a five, six role and playing lesser player. Everybody's going, oh, my God, you got to play him more. No, you didn't really. You, know, you didn't really need to play him more. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it comes down to um, I mean, we, we've we, we've each said it in different ways now. Right. But it yeah. it, it comes down to projections. And wow, you're really you're really testing your scouting staff now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the scouts are having a look. Uh, the Hockey Canada scouts, that is, at the Ottawa Senators these days. The World Hockey Championships are set for next month in Latvia as the Sen season starts to wind down, and we'll talk about some Senators that might be on the radar for Hockey Canada. That's coming up after these words. A lot of people I talk to end up asking me about what coverages should they have for their house. How much do I need? Why would I want that? Hi, I'm Jared Gerard, All Insurance Ontario. Call or text me at 801-2659. Give me a call. Let's have that talk, and we'll make sure that you have the coverages that you want and that you need. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. Reignite your love for driving with a new Ford at Jim K. Ford. Get behind the wheel and hit the road in a new 2021 model. Picture it now. Great features like available Ford Copilot 360 driving technologies. You'll find all of the latest innovations that are made available for new Ford vehicles. So visit Jim K. Ford and ask about their great offers on all their fantastic models like the Escape, Edge, Explorer, Ranger, and F-150. Only at Jim K. Ford in Orleans or JimKFord.com. Hey, do you love pizza? Everybody loves pizza. Well, you need to check out Pico. Their pizza is made so fast, right in front of you, with only the best, freshest ingredients. Create your own Pico Masterpiece, or choose from one of their incredible chef-inspired variations. Pico, a totally fresh, delicious, innovative take on pizza. Order online or drop into Pico today at 236 Richmond Road, 170 Metcalf, or the new location at 305 Rito. And compared to this time last year, The Ottawa residential home market is up almost 30%, an average sale price right now of $758,000. So, are you curious to know what your home is worth in a blazing hot market like this? You should call the Glenn Walton Real Estate Team today for a free, no-obligation estimate. Glenn is a great guy, and you're going to be shocked to learn what you could get for your home and what similar homes are going for in this market. Call the Glenn Walton Real Estate Team today at glenwalton.com. All right, let's move along to the World Hockey Championship. 
That's three weeks away now in Latvia, the Women's World Hockey Championship. Uh, it got canceled. We're still trying to gonna, trying to find a home, and Ottawa may throw its hat in the ring on that front, but uh, several cities have, I guess. But uh, it was sk- slated for Nova Scotia, and um, like a day before everybody was to arrive, they decided to cancel it. But in Latvia, they are going to go ahead with the men's. It's all scheduled to go. And the question becomes, you know, the send season is going to end at the end of the regular season. Which senators do you think might get invited? Is there anybody in there where you say, okay, that's that's a possibility, that's a slam dunk? What say you? Well, not so much for Canada, no, beyond uh, Shabbat and, and Batherson. Um, I'm, I'm looking more at Kachuk and Norris or Americans. Colin White's an American. Uh, Timmy Stutzler plays for the Germans. Uh, Dadnov. You've got a lot of foreigners, non-Canadians. I mean, Brandstrom's a Swede, right? There's there's Brandstrom and Hogberg possibilities. Artem Zub and Nikita Zaitsev possibilities. There, there could be one heck of a lot of them, um, but not necessarily playing for Canada. Does, uh, does Connor Brown get a call to play for Canada? Well, they'd be just smart. I, I think they'd be smart to take Brown and Paul just because yeah. they'd be so good on that third line for, for Team Canada. And uh, I think Shabbat's a, a very good bet. Uh, Batherson, maybe. I mean, Batherson's right there. He's like the leading scorer on the team right now. It's yeah. so tight. I looked at it. There's six guys that all have a chance. Not that anybody's really that worried about who wins the team scoring crown, but it it is kind of neat to see you know, the six guys that are in play there. I think it's Batherson. Kachuk, Shabbat, Brown, um, Norris is in there, and uh, Stutzla. And they're all within five points of each other. So it's uh, nobody's ripping it up, per se, compared to other NHL teams. But uh, certainly some, some players there that you see as high-end skill moving on into the future. But I do think that, uh, you know, Batherson might have been and, – and, and there's no question Hockey Canada – often favors those who have, you know, bled for the leaf in the past. And Batherson has, of course, uh, been at the World Juniors. Shabbat's the only defenseman in World Junior history to be the MVP of the tournament. So they'd be decent bets. Certainly Shabbat would be the better bet of the two. And uh, Brown and Paul would be, again, a couple of guys they'd be smart to talk to, in my opinion. But what do you think for Team Canada? Let's just say that he's healthy and that, that injury didn't occur. Is Matt Murray maybe on their radar? Two Stanley yeah, that Cups. Was, yeah, that was interesting. You know, as you were going through the list of the team there, I was thinking that that, that exact thing. Like, this, is, is that a situation that Matt Murray can go play? Um, I, to be honest with you, Steve, I'd have to look at the full standings. Like, who else is out of the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I, don't, to be, I don't even know. You know. It's weird. We don't look at the other divisions so much anymore, do we? No, not so at all. And that's true of everybody we just mentioned, you know, like yeah. Zub and Dadnov. Yeah, I could see Russia, you know, Zub played at the Olympics for Russia, for for example. And uh, so maybe they have that same sort of building up of credit the way Team Canada seems to. But uh, yeah, you'd have to go through the entire NHL and the teams that miss the playoffs, some of whom we don't know yet. A lot we do, honestly. If you go around the NHL right now, I only see like a couple of races. There's not really, yeah. uh, I mean, certainly Calgary and Montreal has suddenly gotten interesting, hasn't it? Yeah. But then, but then before we get to that, or if we are, let's, let's look at those, the bottom five, six teams, the teams you know are not going to be in the playoffs. 
who's a goaltender there that's Canadian that's uh, that's ahead of a Matt Murray. I'm, I'm, I'm by no means saying he's he's in and should be there, but does does Buffalo have anybody in net? Um, it's it's not Tukarski. Anaheim is uh, Gibson, and he's American, correct? Um, we got uh, Holtby in Vancouver. I was going to say, yeah, I was thinking of Holtby while we were when we first started talking about this. But does he want to go at his age? Um, you know, there's Columbus. They're they're both none of them are Canadian. Is Mackenzie Blackwood somebody they consider out of Jersey? I don't think he's your number one guy. So you know, maybe Matt Murray is a candidate. But then the question becomes, does he say yes or no? What's the COVID scenario? He's just had a, a, a baby, is he not? Mm-hmm. Um, does he really want to screw off and go to Latvia and, and risk things like that health-wise? Sometimes you hear guys, oh, it's been a long year. 82 games, it's been a grind. Yeah. It's you been, don't have that excuse. No, they don't have that excuse this year, but uh, there's certainly no shortage of other excuses, like you mentioned, with the the COVID risk and uh, – and in Matt Murray's case, you've got family issues as well, new baby and stuff. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I didn't mean to get into a, a big, massive, deep discussion about it. Just some, <laughs> certainly the point is the senators, I mean, just at a glance, I mean, if everything, if, if everybody wanted to go and everybody who was probably good enough to go was invited, I mean, there could be, you know, seven, eight guys that end up yeah. playing for the various teams, which would certainly make the World Hockey Championships a whole lot more interesting. I mean, and I, th- don't I think the slam dunks are going to be Kachuk and Stutzla. If they want to go, they're there. Sure, and Shabbat. You think he's a slam dunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah he's a slam dunk. Uh, um, so uh, don't forget, though, that in a normal year, uh, Team Canada regularly gets up over 50, 60 no's. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of no's. Hmm. So... You in this case, the shorter year would normally mean you'd get a lot more yeses, but the COVID means you'd probably get a lot more no's. So you could conceivably have like, really, you look at the top nine on this team, and every one of them could be there. <laughs> you got right. You got Kachuk, Norris uh, on the top line. You got White and Pinto. There's four Americans who could all play. Um, you've got. Stutzla, and then you've got Batherson and Formanton, and we've already talked about Brown and Paul. You could conceivably, and Dadanov is the other one, I think, right? Yep. You could conceivably see a whole heck of a lot of them, if they say yes, going over and playing. God, even Ryan Dezingle could play in your fourth line with the U.S. team. There's no doubt. I mean, and, and there's always some surprises. Who's the guy for the – Patrick Weirkosh. Did he not get oh, invited yeah. to a Team Canada World Hockey Championship Team he did one play, year. yes, but don't forget he was the stats darling there forever, right? He was yeah. a coursey god, playing well, like nine minutes a night on the, on the fourth pair, right? <laughs> but still, a surprise, I think, in the big picture that he gets an opportunity, and uh, you never know. Uh, like you say, with all the people saying no, and somebody steps up and says yes, and they kind of you know, okay, you're in, kid, and and, and even <laughs> sometimes you'll see scenarios. There was a really good European Canadian player play. I mean, not European Canadian, but played in Europe for years and years. Um, and he smallish defenseman, but dominated the KHL stats wise. And he got a chance, I think to play for team Canada at one of the world hockey championships. I want to say his name was Lee or something like that. Chris Lee was his name. Really? Yeah. Uh, d- doesn't ring a bell at all. Yeah. 
if you, uh, yeah, like I say, he got a chance to play for Team Canada. I don't know if it's uh, the Olympics or at the World Hockey Championships, one of the two. Yeah, it was 2018 at the Olympics. And he just, like, look at the numbers he puts up. Like 2016-17. This is a defenseman you've never heard of. A defenseman. And not very big either. Um, He's not too bad, six feet. Um, So in 2016-17, the guy had 65 points in 60 KHL games on the blue line. And, uh, And yet no one's ever heard of this guy. And he played a long time. Potsdam guy, and uh, we're sidetracked. We're officially sidetracked right now. Yeah, that, that happens. <laughs> uh, we'll close it out today with because okay. uh, I was thinking to myself, I usually close the show with a bit of music, right? Okay. A little extra music. So uh, when I'm looking at the World Hockey Championship stuff and looking around, I saw that the song for the World Hockey Championship oh, by a God. Latvian band called Astro and Out. Uh, the official song has come out. It's called For Glory and Joy. And I said to myself, well, I need music to end the show anyway. And we're closing <laughs> out with the World Hockey Championship. So God. we'll leave you with a little bit of For Glory and Joy. Greg, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. You too, Steve. Have a good night. For-